It's so great to be back teaching after uh, a great rest. Thank you for that. And I have to say, it's, it's a weird season. And uh, man, I'm, I have really missed uh, being around you guys. So uh, I'm looking forward to us all being back together. You know, that song we just heard from the culture really goes to the root of why we're doing this self-awareness series, what we're really talking about. And that's also why I'm surrounded by mirrors, kind of feel like I'm at the gym, except I haven't been there in a while. But you know, have you ever wondered why uh, gyms have these surround sound mirrors? You know, some people think it's, it's just to build the ego of bodybuilders. You know, others think it's there to uh, remind the rest of us to keep paying our gym membership because maybe one day the mirrors will say something different. You know, uh, but actually mirrors are there in the gym to give you feedback. They're, they're there to help you see whether, you know, your posture is right as you're doing the exercise. It, it gives you necessary feedback. And probably they're there also so singles can check each other out, if we're honest, right? But we love mirrors, and yet we also hate mirrors. You know, Mirrors are an important part of life. Like, imagine if physically we didn't have mirrors to look in. You know, we would, we would have to wait for more painful feedback about our physical appearance, right? So you go to the office and, and they say, you know, who cuts your hair, Edward Scissorhands? <laughs> or, you know, the, everybody's laughing about something. You say, what's so funny? And, and they say, do you realize you sat in chocolate? You got a big brown spot on your backside. It's like, well, well I can't see my backside unless I have a mirror, right? And, 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 and so we love mirrors because they tell us when things need to change, but we also hate mirrors because sometimes we don't like the feedback it gives us, especially in COVID-19, <laughs> right? When, when, when you, you don't shower for three or four days and you don't look in a mirror for three or four days and then you do and you're like, ah! You know? and, and we don't always like what mirrors say to us. In fact, like masks, some of you, you know, have you, have you noticed how masks give you feedback? Ever tried singing in a mask? It's like, whoa, my breath, oh. Right, we didn't know, you know? And, and, and so feedback, sometimes we love, but sometimes we hate. Now there are all kinds of, of mirrors in life. There's all kinds of, of feedback. We, we couldn't lower, learn or grow without it. Think about it, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't really learn in school or grow at work without feedback. Empezo aprendiendo español este verano. I started learning Spanish this summer. Uh, this has been like a, a, a long uh, bucket list goal for me. I've, I studied seven years of German, uh, three years of Greek, three years of Hebrew. I lived in Russia and learned the language for a whole year. And I can't speak a foreign language with anybody because the only languages around me are English and Spanish, and I can't speak either of them very well. So I'm, I'm learning, I'm trying to learn Spanish. This summer I got, uh, I got a program and I started working it every day and then people told me, listen to, to music. So, because uh, that, that helps to hear. And so I went and I found Spanish reggaeton because I really like the beat. And I start listening to Spanish Reggaeton, and I go around, you know, I'm learning these words, I'm saying them. Uh, Mami ven conmigo, al disco, uh, fuego, vaya caliente. I have no idea what I'm saying, right? I found out later, I'm, I'm saying, baby, come with me to the club, get hot, dance passionately with me. Oh, like those are about the only words in Spanish reggaeton music, right? 
Now, actually, and afterwards, so uh, imagine this, though. Imagine if I didn't receive any feedback from my Spanish-speaking friends, right? So, so when, when Carlos uh, or Carolina or Blanca or Luis try to tell me, hey, don't, don't say those words like that, you know? I, I mean, that's not appropriate for El Pastor. <laughs> but what if I didn't listen? You know, what if I rejected their feedback? Well, I would, I would stay in El Spanish Disco. <laughs> I would stay in kindergarten Spanish. I have to have feedback to grow. Now, we all know that, but when it comes to relational, spiritual feedback, it gets difficult, doesn't it? You know, marriage researcher John Gottam says a person's willingness to, uh, and ability to accept Influence and input from their spouse is a key predictor of a healthy, stable marriage. In contrast, working or living with someone who shuts out feedback or responds with defensiveness and arguments is exhausting. Now, in this pandemic, many of us are we're facing relational mirrors. They're, they're telling us things, giving us feedback. Maybe we want to smash the mirrors or push them away, but it's a great opportunity to actually learn and grow. And in fact, if we're going to be people who learn to love God and and love people and really grow into our best selves, we have to seek out relational spiritual feedback. You know, people who are are self-aware, they're more likely to be promoted at work You know, they're more likely to have healthy marriages. They're more likely to have adult kids who actually like them. You know, we like to be around people who are not defensive but are self-aware. So we need to grow to be those kinds of people as well. And that's why we're doing this series. But here's the thing. Growing spiritually, growing relationally requires self-awareness, but self-awareness requires feedback requires mirrors, but that's not always easy. Sometimes it gets us triggered. We defend, we we attack. Why is that? Well, Sheila Heen and Doug Stone, two Harvard law professors, wrote a book called Thanks for the Feedback. Great book, by the way, I'd recommend it. And they point this out. Research on happiness identifies ongoing learning and growth as a core ingredient of satisfaction in life. We may be wired to learn, they say, but it turns out learning about ourselves is a whole different ballgame. Learning about ourselves can be painful, sometimes brutally so. So, and, And the feedback can feel less like a gift of learning and more like a colonoscopy. And so we avoid feedback like we avoid colonoscopies, right? Now, here's the thing. We all know people who are painfully unaware of the way they affect us or others, right? Everybody else knows it, but they're just blind to it. They have a blind spot. They're spiritually blind to it. We know people who just can't receive feedback. They get angry or defensive or self-righteous or even hostile. But here's the thing. We also have to consider that maybe that happens to us as well. You know, Jesus called it out in the religious leaders of his day. It says in Matthew 15, Jesus says, they're blind guides leading the blind. If one blind person guides another, they're both going to fall into a ditch. And so Jesus warns us not to be spiritually blind. In other words, when we think we know ourselves well, 
but we're getting feedback that contradicts our view of ourselves, are we willing to listen and go to God with it so he can help us grow? Or do we reject it? Do we resist it? And Jesus warns us about that with a metaphor. He says in Matthew 6, 23, but when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be filled with darkness. Then the metaphor, if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness. Now listen carefully what Jesus is saying. He's saying if you think, if I think, I see myself accurately, but I won't consider feedback to the contrary and take it to God to say, God, what do you want to show me? Then I'm in the dark. I'm spiritually in the dark. And he says, and that's a deep, deep darkness. Why does he say that? Well, because if you are unwilling to receive feedback, if you're just gonna defend and and be angry and all that, then you can't grow. And God works with our willingness. So not even God can, can force us or will force us. And that's why, you know, Jesus, Jesus confronts this in the Pharisees. And, and look at how they respond. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, are you saying we're blind? <laughs> like, no way, right? Jesus says, if you were blind, in other words, if you could just admit that maybe you don't see everything and seek my help, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty, why? Because you claim you can see. You see that? So friends, we don't wanna be like the religious Pharisees of, of, of Jesus' day. We need to be able to admit that maybe there are areas where I can't see my relational backside. And that's the painful reality of being human. I, I stand here and as hard as I try, I can't see my backside at all unless I'm willing to look in a mirror. And then I can, if I get feedback from a mirror. Now, that's true of us spiritually and relationally as well. We can all have blind spots. We can all be deceived. I'm including myself in that. You know, think about it. Jesus' closest followers that he chose to lead his church were all deceived. Peter, I will never, never deny you, Lord. He did three times that night. (laughs) Deceived. James and John, we deserve to be first and second in your kingdom. Jesus had to give them some painful feedback, right? Uh, So if they can be deceived, this is a very important question, critical question I wanna ask you. Do you believe you can be deceived? Do you believe that maybe just like you can't physically see your backside, maybe you have relational blind spots as well, which means you have to seek out relational feedback. You have to ask others to tell you what they see if you want to see yourself more accurately. And that's why Jesus says in Luke eleven thirty five, make sure the light you think you have is not actually darkness. Profound. Now, how do you do that? Well, that's what we're going after these three weeks. So we're gonna take a look at four principles to grow in self-awareness. And we're gonna build on them over the next three weeks. The first is standing in grace. Then that allows us to be postured to receive feedback, which allows us to go to God and be open-minded to letting God change us, open-minded to change, and then being able to loop back relationally for, for more feedback to grow the relationship. Now, today we're gonna focus only on standing in grace, okay? 
Why? Well, because it is the critical foundation of self-awareness and growing by receiving feedback. Why is that true? Well, because it's only as we start to see ourselves as God sees us that feedback no longer becomes threatening. Let me explain. God created you and me to live in the mirror, the reflection of what God says is true about us. That, that's how he intended us to be. And when we learn to stand in the mirror of God's grace, then feedback loses its, its sense of threat. You know, Stone and Heen, these two lawyers explain why really well. Here's what they said. In addition to our desire to learn and improve, we long for something else that's fundamental, to be loved, accepted, and respected just as we are. And the very fact that of feedback suggests that how we are is not quite okay, so we bristle. Why can't you accept me for who I am and how I am? Why are there always more adjustments, more upgrades needed? Why is it so hard for you to understand me? Hey boss, hey team, hey spouse, hey dad, here I am, this is me. And they say receiving feedback sits at the intersection of these two needs, our drive to learn and grow and our longing for acceptance. Now, the, these two lawyer, Harvard lawyers nailed the problem. But the answer is you've got to first stand in grace. In other words, if I'm not standing on a secure foundation of, of, of knowing what God says about me and who I am, that I am loved and accepted, if I can't stand in God's grace, then I'm going to be forever trying to perform to get you to tell me I'm lovable and acceptable and I will be dependent on how you grade me. So without standing in grace, negative feedback threatens the most essential core needs of humanity, to be loved and accepted and valued. So if we interpret feedback as a threat to being loved and accepted and valued, we will do whatever it takes to defend our right to get that need met. So what that means is, how you grade my actions then, um, I have to make sure my actions are perfect or you know I was right or I intended right, so I'm gonna defend. I, I'm, I'm gonna lash out potentially. I'm gonna attack and fight back because what's being threatened is the most deep essential need that I was supposed to get met from God, but I'm not, I'm getting it met from you. Now the real problem in all this is none of us are aware. <laughs> And I include myself in that none of us. In other words, you know, we, we feel feedback as threatening many times because of our view of ourselves, which comes from our family dynamic, our family culture, and the culture around us that, that maybe we grew up in. So we're not conscious of it, and, and that's part of the challenge. Let me give you a, a very current example. You know, many of you have been involved in our uh, reconciliation and justice uh, network conversations about how can we be a part as the church of ending racism and and uh, this is very critical in fact as a church I'm really praying that we can model a path forward I think God wants the church to model a path forward for for our society in this but that means we have to learn to stand in God's grace in order to then listen and 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 take note of what each other's saying and then take it to God to ask God, okay, is there anywhere 
I need to change. But this is a great opportunity, friends, to grow in self-awareness. It really is, it's not easy. Because, and what makes it difficult is sometimes we just get triggered and we don't always know why. But it feels to me, you know, as I've watched it this summer, it feels to me like America is like a couple in marriage counseling trying to give each other feedback, neither giving it nor receiving it very well. You know, so so people of color are, are giving feedback. They're saying, hey, my growing up experience is I experienced racism. I experienced uh, inequality in the way I was treated because of my skin or ethnicity. Now, for some of us, um, because of the culture and the way we grew up, we hear stuff like that. We hear America has a problem with racism. We say, but I'm not racist, right? But that's not what they were saying. They're saying they experienced that. But our, maybe our culture puts us at the center and we're individualistic. So we just think, well, that's, that's not my problem because I don't, I don't have that. I don't feel that way. But again, it can shut us out to what God does want to say to us. You know, how, how maybe he does want to grow us. You know, I've been thinking about this. If, if many are saying the same thing, then maybe we have a national blind spot. Maybe we have a church blind spot. I don't know. But, but am I willing, if I start to get defensive, am I willing to pause and go, okay, wait, stand in grace. God, I'm gonna take this to you and let you show me what you wanna show me. And I think, I think this is a very important thing for us to wrestle with, and it requires standing in grace. You know, one of the things I've realized, I'm a white American male. I don't have to think about this. Not unless it becomes disruptive or personal. Now, now friends, as the church, it shouldn't have to become disruptive for it to be personal. Now think about it this way. It is now personal for me. I have a, a beautiful little granddaughter, mi nieta bonita, <laughs> and she's biracial. And it's made me start thinking. You know, she's only five months old. It's made me start thinking, is she gonna say some of the same things? My Latina brothers and sisters, my Latina friends have said here at Gateway as she grows up? Well, now it's personal. It's my family. It matters. But here's what I want to say. If you are a Christ follower, it's our family already. Because see, God has adopted you into his family. And guess what? His family is multi-ethnic. Go read Revelation chapter 7. That's where we're going. It's multi-ethnic. And that means if our brothers and sisters of color are saying this, then it is personal to us because it's our family. So the question is, can we learn to stand in grace? And this is people of color and white people. It doesn't matter. All of us stand in grace enough to then learn to listen without reacting and take it to God and say, okay, God, what do you want to say to me? And I believe if we can start to do that, we can begin to really chart a path forward that quite honestly, God wants to show the world. That's my prayer for us in this season. Because the good news is we can all change. That's the good news. Individuals can change, churches can change, marriages can change, cultures, nations can change if we submit ourselves to God. But that means we have to admit we may not see ourselves completely. We, we may have blind spots. That's why we say no perfect people allowed, right? You know, we say no perfect people allowed 
because if we pretend we don't have any place we need to grow, then we're stuck. And if, if you don't need to grow, if you don't need to change, guess what? You're God. Congratulations. Bad news for the rest of us, though. <laughs> but if we can just admit, all of us, maybe I, maybe I do things inadvertently I don't, that, that are wrong. I hurt my kids. I hurt my spouse. I hurt my friends. I don't mean to. I have good intentions. But if I can admit that I might have blind spots physically and spiritually, relationally, there's great hope. We can all grow. First Peter 5 says it this way. All of you, all of you, dress yourselves in humility toward as you relate to one another. It's about relationship. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves, not under each other's power, under God's mighty power, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. So growing in self-awareness means first we learn to stand in grace, then feedback can become a gift, not a colonoscopy. Now, why is this so? Well, again, because God has already declared how he sees us, loved, valued, secure, accepted. And when you stand on that solid foundation, then feedback doesn't need to be threatening at all. You're fully loved, fully valued, fully accepted by the only one who knows the truth about you, fully. So I want to show you a little theology of, of how to stand in grace. Theology is just what God says is true. Now God's grace just means God's favor. It's, it's unmerited. It's freely given. None of us deserved it. So here's how we stand in grace so that we can grow in self-awareness. First, realize you were created in the image of God. That's what it says in Genesis chapter one, verse 27. So that's good. Who you were created to be is good at the core. But Romans chapter three tells us there's more to the story. But all of us have turned from God at some point. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard of what he intended. No perfect people allowed, all right? You do wrong, I do wrong, you have blind spots, I have blind spots, we all need to grow, okay? That's what we mean by no perfect people allowed. And yet, look what this says, goes on and says in Romans three, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. Incredible. Not only does he forgive our wrongs, he makes us in right standing with the creator, the only one who matters, he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins, for God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe. Now, important, this is not just belief as in mental assent, as in intellectual belief. This is belief like, if I say I believe an airplane can fly safely through the air, that means nothing for me to just say that until I get on the plane and experience flying. That's true belief. So that's what this is really talking about. That we stand in what God says, that we are loved and valued and accepted and by him, nothing can take that away. No matter what feedback you get, no matter what actions may need to change, no matter if, how people think about you and even if they're completely wrong, none of that matters. And so as his followers, then we're commissioned to receive 
truth from him so that we can bring more of heaven to earth. And in other words, the very people that messed it all up get to also be the ones to start to make it right. That's grace. That's why he gives it. Now, many Christians know grace intellectually. We can talk the talk, but we don't stand in it experientially as we're hearing negative feedback. We're reacting through the roof. That's not standing in grace. So let me give you a little self-awareness test for whether you're standing in grace when you get negative relational feedback. And let's start to seek out feedback and, and learn to apply it this week. Okay, first, grace says you're valued and, and worthy. So first test, do you feel horrible about yourself when you hear negative relational feedback? By the way, people don't do feedback well. They don't give feedback well. You know, uh, in other words, when people give feedback, good feedback separates character from, from actions, right? So good feedback is like, you know, when you say one thing, but you don't follow through, it makes me question our friendship, okay? That's good feedback. It's about actions, not character. But in their hurt, people may throw garbage in there. So they're gems, but they may surround it with garbage. You never do what you say. You're not a trustworthy friend. So they, they, may, they may put a lot of garbage in there. People aren't good at giving feedback. Now, I want to help us realize that's not a problem. It's not a problem because it really doesn't matter what they say about us. We can take it to God, standing in his grace, and listen to God so that we can grow to be more loving, life-giving, secure, confident, powerful, relationally powerful people. That's the goal. We become more and more of our best selves because of the feedback, even if it's littered with garbage. So maybe you hear... You are, you're a terrible friend. You never do what you say. You feel horrible. In fact, too horrible. And you start to hear, I'm a horrible person. I just suck. I'm blah, 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 right? You withdraw from the friendship. You're not standing in grace if that's how you react. So what we're going to be talking about is learning how to stand in grace. What does God say is true about my value and my worth? Ephesians chapter one is a go-to passage for this, okay? I want you to go read it and meditate on it and make it personal. Put your name in. So Ephesians 1, this is how God, this is the mirror God wants us to look in. God has blessed us. <clears throat> Put your name in there. God has blessed John. God has blessed Steve with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because Steve is united with Christ. If you've accepted Christ, this is true of you. Even before he made the world, God loved Steve and chose Steve in Christ to be holy, check this out, without fault in his eyes, without fault. God decided in advance to adopt Steve into his own family by bringing Steve to himself through Jesus Christ. It's what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Now, do you see this? We, we can't just intellectually hear it and think it. We gotta stand in it, which means we have to let it change the way we react when there's negative feedback. See, evil makes us want to react and feel less than, maybe because of the family you grew up in, maybe because of the color of your skin, you know, maybe, maybe because of what you have or, or don't have. God wants us to be secure in our identity in Christ. What he says, that God has loved you, he's chosen you, when? 
before he made the world, which means that he's always felt this way about you and he, he will never change it either. It's who he sees you as and he wants you to look in that mirror so that you don't need to defend or, or blame or accuse or attack when you hear negative feedback. You know, my granddaughter gives me great pleasure. She, I loved her when she was in the womb. I don't know why. I love her even more now. She's done nothing really for me, but she's ours. She's mine. And that's how God feels about you. Now, here's why that's important, because then when we f- hear feedback, it doesn't have to threaten our sense of lovability or security or, or worthiness. So we can take it to God in prayer. Okay, Lord. I know I'm not a worthless friend. I know I'm not an unlovable failure of a person because you say the opposite. So what's the nugget of gold I can take to grow in this? What, what are the actions I can change? That's key, okay? It's, we can always grow. So what, what things can I do? Or what's the garbage that I need to throw away? And there's always some garbage that you need to throw away. But the key is then how can I become a better friend, a better spouse, a better racial reconciler, or be, a, a, a better worker? Standing in grace frees you to receive feedback and grow, and it feels great. All right, so that's the first test. Second test of standing in grace when you get negative feedback, grace calls you blameless. We saw that. So do you get defensive when you hear negative feedback relationally see here's what often happens we know our hearts right we know our motives we know our intentions are good of course they are and the person's giving us feedback and it doesn't match what we intended it doesn't match our what we know of our 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 motivations and so we try to explain defend show that our character was good our intentions were good Here's the problem. That doesn't actually help. Because we may in that be missing that, yeah, maybe 90% of it is miss, but 10% of it might be actions that need to change. Were our intentions good? Of course. Could it be that even with good intentions you hurt the other person? Of course. <laughs> Haven't you ever had somebody, you know, who who tried to defend their good intentions or good motives, but they really did hurt you? And did it help for them to explain, explain? Or did it just make it feel like you're not hearing me? You're not understanding. So we don't want to be like that. So instead, we, we stand in grace. When you start to defend, to feel defensive, say this to yourself. I don't need to defend myself. I have a great defense attorney. Do you realize that? In Christ... You already have a great defense attorney, better than you. Look at this, 1 John 1, 10 through 2, 2. If we claim we have not sinned, in other words, if, if we pretend we don't do wrong, we're calling God a liar, and we show that his word has no place in our hearts. But if we do sin, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. Literally, the Greek word, that word is used, same word for defense attorney. We have a defense attorney who pleads our case before God the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one, the only one, who is truly righteous, who truly knows. He himself is a sacrifice that atones or washes away our sins, our wrongs. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. 
Jesus is literally your defense attorney. He defends you against all injustice because he knows. And remember, he's already declared you blameless in his sight. Ephesians 1, go read it and meditate on it. Now, why would God do this? So we don't start with a defensive posture. You know, we all, we do wrongs, all of us. We have blind spots, all of us. And when we try to say we don't, not only does it make God a liar, it doesn't help us grow. But instead, if we can stand in what God says is true without defending ourselves, then we can go to God and allow him to begin to make changes and those changes are good and we keep growing as people. So if you find yourself getting defensive, just say, I've got a defense attorney. You know, he, he's already said I'm not condemned. I'm acquitted. He's already paid the price for justice even if I did wrong. So instead of being defensive, I'm just gonna listen, try to take notes, and I'm gonna take it to him to show me the truth. All right, third test on standing in grace when you get negative relational feedback. Grace makes you secure. So the question is, do you try to please people when they give you negative relational feedback? Now, don't miss this. God doesn't want you to be a people pleaser. So you may be hearing this going, well, whatever feedback people give me, then I have to do it. No, not at all. God actually, you know, if, if you get negative relational feedback and it starts to spin you into a frenzy of trying to just do whatever they want, that's not what God wants. You're not standing in grace. We're gonna talk more about this in the weeks to come. But look at what Paul says. Uh, Galatians 1.10, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but God. If pleasing people were my goal, I could not or would not be Christ's servant. Okay, so the goal is not doing whatever that person giving negative feedback says. Instead, the goal is to stand in grace, loved, valued, accepted, in that security, take what they say to God, and, and ask, is there a nugget of truth here that you wanna show me to change, to help me get better? Or, or is what I'm hearing, because I tend to hear it this way, if I'm a people pleaser, I tend to hear it this way, is it just their junk trying to manipulate me? In which case, I don't wanna make them God, I wanna make you God. So you show me what's true and you show me what to do. That's incredibly freeing. So growing in self-awareness starts with standing in grace. That standing in grace then allows you to really be postured to receive feedback. And this is what we're gonna talk about in the next couple of weeks. You know, how can you do that better with your family, with your friends? You know, how can you do that better at, at work? Because those who are postured to receive feedback grow the fastest. They become the greatest people. It's the kind of people we wanna be. And then third, open-minded to change. We, we can receive the feedback and then we go to God open-minded to let God change us. We're not changing for the other person, which is critical. You're not doing it for them. You're doing it for yourself and to please God. This is how we love God. And he changes the world through us as we are open-minded to letting him change us. And then the fourth is looping back for feedback. In other words, spiritually mature people do what they can to keep growing the relationship if they can, but they seek out more feedback because they realize that's how I keep growing into more and more of what God intended. 
All right, next couple weeks, we're gonna be practically diving into this. How do we grow in feedback from family, from friends, at, at work? But here's what I wanna challenge you to do this week. I wanna challenge you to start asking for feedback. In fact, during this whole series, I'm gonna challenge you to push out into a very uncomfortable place and start asking people for feedback. But do it standing in grace. And so here's, here's before you, you know, close the laptop or you know, leave the TV or, or, or leave, I wanna encourage you to do something right now. We're gonna listen to a song that really is about God's grace, standing in that grace. And, and I want you to just ask the Lord, Lord, how can I do this better? How can I stand in your grace? And how can I, or who can I, go ask some feedback questions from? And, and ask him, how can I do it in such a way that I'm not gonna react at all, I'm just gonna hold on to it so that as we work through this series, you can actually become a person who really learns to stand in grace.